Welcome back to Great Quarter, guys, episode 62. I'm your host, Andrew Cox, Senior Retail Analyst here at Great Waves. It's been a two-week hiatus since our last show. Been longer longer than that uh, for Seth. We haven't been back together for three weeks, so I'm glad to have you back, glad to be back in the saddle. And we're going to do a little bit of a different show today because the topics that we want to cover uh, take a little bit more time. We want to distill them a little bit, so we'll take more of a conversational, open-ended uh, question on a few topics. So there's been a lot that have happened since our last episode three weeks ago. So we're going to go through a few of those. One of them is we've had a stimulus bill passed. We now have more money headed into consumers' pockets. Uh, there was an article on Barron's that says that it's the strongest consumer backdrop in decades. So we're going to talk about what uh, we think some of that money is going to go, what we think about the consumer backdrop, what it means for the freight industry. We're also going to discuss USX. We finally got some more information on Variant, this baby beast company within a company that they are brewing uh, down in Atlanta. It's a very promising um, technology company that USX is bringing along. It's now, I think, up to eight or 900 trucks or so. We've got some more light from uh, CEO Fuller on that. So we're going to discuss that. And then also there was uh, Bank of America so, and, and Wall Street in general uh, has changed sentiment towards the trucking industry. We saw a lot of upgrades of trucking stocks last week. Talk about why they've gotten optimistic all of a sudden and give our expectations for the rest of the year and the, in the coming months. And then we'll also talk a little bit about where that stimulus money, where we think it might be spent. And then we'll talk about the Two Simple IPO. That has been some news that has broken over the last couple of weeks that Two Simple is gearing up for an IPO. They've hired somebody, a former uh, Morgan Stanley banker, to kind of get ready for this. So we'll discuss what Two Simple is, uh, what we think their impact to the market is, because they are likely going to be one of the first to bring autonomous trucks to the market. And it doesn't seem that far away. They're planning on a test run without a driver in 2021. So very exciting stuff on the autonomous trucking side of things. Seth, how are you, my man? Thanks for joining us. Good, Andrew. Good to be back. It's been a little bit of a hiatus, like you said. Uh, excited to talk about all this stuff today. Yeah, exactly. Let's jump uh, Let's jump right in. So Barron's and Jeffries uh, say the consumer spending boom, it's coming. And they offered a bunch of ways to play it. We're going to riff on a couple of those ideas. But they say it's going to be the strong. We have the strongest backdrop in consumer in decades. It's just around the corner. And, and uh, there's a lot coming forward. So, Seth, uh, let's just talk about it, man. What do you think about uh, the stimulus checks coming through? It may hit as early as next week. What are you expecting to see? Uh, what kind of bounce back are you expecting to see uh, from that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems hyperbolic when you hear statements like that. But then when they actually show you the numbers, it's not that crazy. So what Jeffrey's economist and some of their stock analysts said was, uh, you know, they're forecasting personal consumption expenditures, PCE, up about 7.5% year on year in 2021 and up about 4 or 5% in 2022. And that would give you the best eight quarters of growth since 1990. So call it, you know, 30, 31 years. Um, and and you've, you've heard a lot of people tossing out this roaring 20s analogy uh, lately um, about what things are going to be like when it comes back. And I think that's why we got that booming stock market. It didn't make sense three to six months ago. You know, why are stocks going crazy to the upside? And yet everything's so terrible out there. And I think we're starting to find out. You look at fourth quarter earnings season and earnings were actually, I think, up 12% year on year on average, which is like definitely not a recession. And, um, and you know, sort of cyclical areas of the economy are picking up. We've had inflation worries in the market. And you generally don't have those unless economic growth or um, activity is going to pick up. So I think that's what's coming. The only question... 
uh, again, it's just that to, to key on is that for, it, for trucking in particular is that goods versus services question. And, you know, a lot of these stock picks that, that, that Jeffries throws out, they make sense to me. We can talk about, I want to hear your opinion on that too, but they think that some of the best position stocks are a lot of the services. Uh, particularly they hit on Uber and Lyft, which makes sense to me. Like everybody's going to start going back out to bars and restaurants again, particularly with the spring and the summer upon us on top of the vaccines. Uh, I know like personally, I'm itching to kind of do that sort of activity as soon as it's safer. And I think most in Texas is fully reopened with no mask. And so is Mississippi. So that makes sense. And then they also talked about, you know, uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, made sense to me because they're talking about uh, domestic travel picking back up before international, right. and they kind of they hit on a few restaurants and stuff like that. Um, you know, what what were your what was your opinion and, and take on the overall piece? Well, the Southwest, um, the Southwest one is in particularly kind of interesting to me. I don't know if you read Bank of America's uh, COVID and the Consumer um, Report from yeah. last week. Actually, of course you did. You did it uh, during the PPI, but <laughs> did you see they were talking about uh, how the oldest generations have just exploded when it comes to airlines and they, but they haven't exploded when it comes to lodging. Uh, I thought that was a, a great insight that they made that they think the older generations are actually getting on airplanes and going to visit family. Uh, so I think domestic airlines, uh, especially Southwest, that has a lot of exposure. That's a great play. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about the services spending because this is, you know, this is another thing that was in that Bank of America note. They talk about this often, uh, the difference in service spending between um, Georgia and Florida, who ha- or Florida in particular, who have pretty lax um, COVID entertainment rules, and they've seen really strong spending and entertainment there. So I, I think that people are just itching to get out and go to the bars and go to, I went to a concert on Friday night, socially distanced with Pod, and it was just amazing. Like, I just felt great to hear live music for the first time in forever. Uh, you know, probably spent more money than I should have. And I think most people will do that when they go out. I think that people are just itching to do it. Uh, so I think services make a lot of sense. I also think when it comes to things that we didn't buy in 2020, I think apparel is also set for for some strong gains, um, especially the the value people, the value guys, off-pricers, TJ Maxx, Ross. I know we've talked about those offline in the past, uh, in the past couple of weeks. I think those are all set to bounce back and as are the luxury ones because you have the the um the we've talked about that on previous episodes this dichotomy between the the bottom half and the and the one percent or the you know the, the richest people in america has probably even widened because of the um because of this recession and the pandemic so i think that the luxury names look good i know you've been owning goose uh, uh goose island the fifteen thousand dollar jackets <laughs> they made uh, well goose island yeah, I think much, they are great i do i do want one i'll be i'll be honest uh, but I think yeah, Canada, Canada, Canada Goose. Have Canada Goose, right? Now, oh, yeah. I'm thinking Goose of Stone Island, Island. the IPA, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, but Stone Island. Uh, there's also Stone Island. You ever seen those coats? Uh, no. It's actually they're like really expensive. And uh, there, there's this thing in, in the streets of London that apparently, this is street uh, street rules, apparently, is what my British friends tell me, is that if you're wearing a uh, a Stone Island jacket, you're always ready to fight at any time because apparently the jackets wow. cost so much that you have to defend yourself from wearing them. It's 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 quite a thing, but people you just see people randomly fight because they're both wearing Stone Island jackets. But anyway, yeah. let's bring it back uh, to freight. Um, what do you think? We'll we'll get to this question. We were going to get to it later, but let's go to it now. What do you think the stimulus checks are going to be spent on? I'm thinking apparel. I'm thinking, um, and I think services. I think people are going to be putting away some of this in plans for those fall and winter vacations. But uh, what do you think? Yeah. So my overall sense is. If you look at what it got spent on last time, it was basically 
got spent at the big box stores, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Costco's on massive grocery runs. It also got mm-hmm. spent on furniture and things for the house, like at Home Depot mm-hmm. and uh, you're redoing your house. And then it also got spent uh, on the stock market, quite frankly. Uh, a lot of it, I think, went into there because uh, consumer balance sheets are actually flush right now. A lot of people didn't need this extra cash that they're getting, uh, but they're doling it out nonetheless. And the government, it's the government's balance sheet that's taking on all the additional debt and strain from this. I do think that in general, your apparel thesis makes sense to me. When you start getting out of the house more and the weather warms up uh, and you start seeing people again, um, you know, you want to upgrade your wardrobe, get some new clothes. Probably also in the last year, a lot of people have just been staying in the house and wearing, you know, athletic athleisure stuff all the time. Um, so that, that makes sense to me. Um, but in general, I would say I think that a lot more of this is going to go towards semi services. So in other words, like the easy entry level services. So those restaurants that you can dine out at. Uh, maybe not movie theaters, but I think you'll start to like on the far right end of the spectrum, you kind of have movie theaters and international travel and stuff like that. I think it'll kind of go into the services bucket, sort of that mid-level services bucket. It's like an easy introduction back to normal life. Um, that would be my guess. Much more of a mix, but I do think, uh, trucking will still gain its fair share of goods. Like anytime people get money in their pocket, they do spend it on goods. Although it's hard to argue that, um, that maybe you haven't upgraded your TV or, uh, I mean, you and I look at that retail data. It's been remarkably similar for about 50 weeks in a row. Although now we're just start, we're starting to see those green shoots. Like you mentioned, uh, I I don't think you mentioned airline travel is, uh, spend is up 400% or 300% 4X year over year for older Americans. So I think that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think a, a lot of the electronics, um, a lot of electronic spend and the home improvement spend, a lot of that was pulled forward. So I don't see a lot of that happening. It's been, it, it is remarkable how similar those spend has been. I mean, I, I thought that we'd see home improvement fall off or, or electronics fall off, but we haven't seen it yet. But I just have to think it's coming. Uh, let's move on to US Express. So we got some new data on Variant. Uh, this is their technology platform that's focused on utilization, focused on driver turnover. Uh, and focus on reducing costs and inefficiencies. Seth, you want to go over a couple of the new, uh, some of the new data points that we got and information on Variant? Sure. And um, it, uh, we, uh, our passport research team wrote a paper on Variant uh, back in December of last year. So go, feel free to go check that out. Um, but Variant is kind of fascinating because it's a huge bet. It's, um, it, I don't want to say it's binary because it's not, but it's a, it's an aggressive, bold bet by, uh, by US Express where, they want to go and take that over the underperforming over the road trucks, uh, where they have a lot of high turnover and basically do a wholesale transition to this model with these sleek trucks driven by apps and technology, uh, led by experienced drivers where you're kind of rerouting that freight network and digitizing it. And it, it's essentially supposed to be the truckload way of the future. And if, if they can pull this off, and they seem to be, you know, one of the early leaders in this front, and they're investing a lot of money in this. It could mean really big things for U.S. Express, both as a company and, and as a stock, because um, one of the things that Eric Fuller talked about, and I, I don't recall whose conference it was, but uh, it was a great article by John Kingston, our, uh, our writer on the website. Um, so go check that out. But uh, Eric Fuller, the CEO, uh, noted that it has the potential to drive their uh, operating ratio or OR. Uh, from you know 95 to 100 uh, range, sort of at the upper end of the truckload peer set, 
he thinks over time uh, that it's that it's possible that it could get down to the high 80s or low 70s, like some of the, you know, the Night Swifts or the Old Dominion, some of the best in class sort of trucking and LTL players, which obviously would just be enormous for the company. But um, it, it, in a bigger sense, they may have this may be the model of the future in terms of truckload. So um, I think it's just really interesting. And and what happened was. Um, you know, so they started out a little bit. Um, they only redid as of December, they'd only converted like 15% of their over the road fleet, which is something like four or 5,000 trucks. Um, but now they're making their way. They've got about double that about a thousand. And so, you know, they're getting down the road in this transition and, um, they offered up a lot of data, um, specifically the data that's really enticing about this is I think it's, uh, the average truck gets 30% more miles per week with 30% less accidents and 70% lower driver turnover. And when you add all that up, you can imagine, you know, both the financial implications and just sort of the, the human capital impacts that that makes on their organization. They're huge. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't, you know, that's it's funny the way that Ramsdell talks about this, the guy that's running the Variant Project, they've based it in Atlanta, right across the street from Georgia Tech. Apparently, it's becoming quite a pipeline for them for talent, which is, is good. Chattanooga is not exactly the premier destination for engineers uh, at the moment, but getting better. Um, but it, it, we don't know exactly how they're doing it. He calls it just, he thinks that truckload is solving this very complex math problem at all times. And but there are three things that are that are kind of the goals of the program, aren't they? And I can't remember the exact. There's reduced driver turnover, utilized, uh, increased utilization, and, and what's the third? Um, so uh, freight selection and, and network routing optimization. So um, that kind of goes hand in hand with utilization. But those are kind of the three sort of key benchmarks for for what they're trying to do. And it, and it was interesting because I don't. How much do of the trucking industry that both we hear from and we talk to? How many people do you think actually consider trucking a math problem? Not many that uh, that, that yeah. we come across. So it is it is a very sort of interesting take uh, that he throws out there. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's a it's an old school company with taking on a new school project, and it's only growing. I think, as you said, they're at nine hundred or a thousand trucks now. Uh, I believe they've set their goals on fifteen hundred by the end of the year, but they they said they'll probably blow past that. So. Uh, this could eventually, you know, I, I don't, we don't know much about Variant yet. Sadly, they're they're still keeping a lot of it under wraps as they make it better and, and scale it. But this could eventually be the uh, the AWS for US Express in a way that it, they eventually market it out to other trucking companies, other carriers to use. So this could be eventually the business uh, if, if it ends up panning out to be what US Express expects it to be. I think there was a, um, in that article that John Kingston wrote, um, there, there was an analyst that mentioned that this, this, Robbie uh, Morgan, yeah, Morgan yeah, it was Robbie, was it? Um, yep. Morgan, Robbie at Morgan, at Morgan Stanley said that this, if this variant uh, initiative is successful, the stock could be worth at least $15 on its way to 70. Uh, the the yeah, stock is at 10 right now. Yep, yep, exactly. So, um, I mean, keep it's, it's worth keeping your eye on. And, you know, I think you can understand, like, uh, if they do get out to an early lead and this is as promising as they kind of hope and, and say that it is, you probably don't want to divulge too much data because you don't want everybody to copy it um, right. at the same time. So um, I think there's there's maybe some of that at play as well. Yeah, precisely. All right. So one more here before we get on to Too Simple. This is Bank of America and Wall Street in general kind of taking a more optimistic stance on the trucking sector. They uploaded, they upgraded a, a swath of trucking companies, including U.S. Express, got a double upgrade from underperform to buy. Uh, Seth, you want to walk through a couple of their reasonings and we can discuss what we think about them? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we, we've kind of hit on a lot of this over the past couple of weeks and months. And, and I actually was kind of on board with them basically the way things were a couple months ago um, before that huge winter storm hit in mid, the mid to late February was everybody was kind of thinking, well, here we go. We're getting, uh, you know, we're getting uh, how, what is it? 50,000 trucks a month in new class eight <laughs> orders, which is, which is, you know, two and a half times replacement uh, levels. And it's the biggest truck orders in 40 years of, of record keeping. And you've got these $3 spot rates and it just seems like a, here we go again. It's, it's all over, especially once the second half of 2021 comes and everybody gets a vaccine and, and that services spending happens. And what has gradually happened and where, where I agree with Ken Hexter, the analyst here, is a couple things changed. Uh, one, it seems like the overall economic growth projections are going to be better in an absolute sense, which which means even if that mix shift comes, then it may not be so bad for trucking just purely because the economy is growing at such a high level. I think that's one thing. Two, uh, even with these new truck orders, you, you still can't see them for all these reasons. We, the drug and alcohol stuff, the the school, the trucking schools are, are not operating. And then, you know, you're not raising wages by 10 or 15% if, uh, unless you're having trouble finding drivers. And then, so, uh, and then I think, uh, thirdly, that snowstorm hit and basically it created pent up demand. It's going to whack everybody's first quarter earnings, which he talked about in the note. Uh, basically they're cutting every, uh, earnings estimates for Q1 by 10 or 15% on average. And JB Hunt commented that that, that was the likely degree it was going to hurt them uh, in the first quarter at a conference recently. Um, but on the other hand, they're raising the estimates for the full year and then for 2022 as well, because basically what this did is it created this, it took the what was already a tight capacity situation and it just made it super tight where we're back up to 27, 28% tender rejections again. And you're creating peak season conditions in what is normally a dead part of the year heading into produce season. So basically right. you have all these factors coming together, which is basically in, in short, what my view is too is, hey, maybe this, this runway for truckload is going to last through all of 2021 rather than just halfway through. That's what it seems like. It seems like everybody that was kind of calling for um, calling for a second half correction in rates or an easing of uh, of the market, it was kind of priced for perfection. It needed a lot of things to happen for that to occur, and the market was so imbalanced already with you know contract uh, tender rejections at you know eighteen or twenty at any small catalyst that takes any drivers off the road. It has a, an outsized impact. Like the like the winter storms. Yes, the winter storms only lasted for three or four days, maybe a week. But the freight that piled up is taking much longer to work through, given the imbalances that were already uh, in place. Yeah, which so I mean, uh, now you can make the case with the the port congestion. You start adding all these things up, the port congestion that just continues unabated. Uh, I wrote an article about. I mean, maritime rates. You have this nightmare situation where. If you're a shipper on the ocean, you're basically choosing, do I pay 70% more for contract capacity on the ocean, or do I pay three or 400% higher year on year for spot in the spot market? Either way, that's not a good, that's not a good choice. And not so you've got all that. Making. Yeah, you've got all that. And I, I'm kind of coming around. I think we said we kind of disagreed with the pinup demands, uh, consumer thesis, but I'm starting to believe it more just because I'm seeing it play out in the data. Uh, where, uh, maybe that, maybe that is actually going to happen. And so if it does, like, like I said, I mean, it, it it's not going to be a bad thing for truckload, even if, you know, cause the restaurants still need, 
all the stuff that gets served there needs to be on a truck. Although, you know, the classic example I heard, uh, Kyle from K ratio, I thought this was a good thing. He said, think about it this way. When you spend a hundred dollars at a restaurant, maybe you get two steaks and a couple glasses of wine. And he's like, but yeah. when you go to the grocery store, you get 30, 40, 50 items. Um, and think about yeah. the freight implications of that. So there's no question there. And I thought that made a lot of sense in there. There's no question. It's a drag, but you know, to, to what degree is hard to say. Yeah, for certain. I think, um, I, I think we should just move on to too simple because we've got only 10 minutes, uh, left. So we've got, this is a big conversation coming up, just or a big company coming down the road that everybody's very excited about. It's, they're not going the SPAC route. We had thought, uh, late last year, some rumors had come about that too simple may be looking towards the special purpose acquisition company that almost every other, uh, company has taken the route of in their, in their position, which is, uh, a company that's taking on a huge market with very complex problem to solve uh, that takes a lot of money to solve. But right now they're not generating all that much revenue. So, Seth, you take the lead on what is too simple. And then uh, we'll jump into what we think are the implications of an autonomous future in trucking. Yeah. So given that we, um, we're, we're a little bit shorter on time, I mean, so what I would say is too simple is the leading autonomous trucking company. And what, what does that actually mean? Uh, basically they, they have a software system called the autonomous freight network, which is a, you know, it's a combination of, uh, cameras and LIDAR and software and that sort of thing, uh, retrofitted on existing trucks right now. Uh, that, and, and, but it's also a, a system of terminals and physical actual infrastructure, uh, out there in the United States. And basically what they're doing is they're trying to tackle the, the long haul uh, open over the road portion. They're not going to try to do the last mile. That is likely to be done by human drivers, maybe forever, but at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, really where they're tackling is those, like they're planning their network, for example, to go from Phoenix to Tucson to the Texas Triangle in stage one of their network, which makes sense because it's kind of open roads with perfect weather all the time or most of the time. Certainly we didn't, we saw that with the blizzard in Texas, but, um, for the majority of time, those are the easiest conditions to drive autonomously on. So that's kind of the deal. They're the leaders. They're out, they're almost like a half Chinese, half us company offices in yep. San Diego and Beijing. They've got 800 employees and 70 trucks right now. Uh, they're going to do a traditional IPO through Morgan Stanley. Uh, we thought this would be a good thing. It's, it's reported to, to come, uh, uh, any, uh, any, any, any day now we should get the, uh, the S1, the prospectus. And then in the next couple of weeks, we should get the pricing. So, yeah. So this is a really interesting company because, uh, not only because of the ties split between the two largest trucking markets in the world, uh, the U S and China, uh, but because they've got a crazy team together, all of a sudden they've got, they keep racking up partners after partners, very reputable names from, uh, on the hardware side, whether it's Nvidia or, um, the, the trucking partners, Navistar, where they've got in this autonomous freight network, they're using U.S. Express as a broker, uh, leasing trucks from Penske. So they've got a lot of big names around them. They've also rolled out recently a new board of directors that have strong ties to Washington uh, that is supposed to be, you know, help help them bridge that gap because they have been marked by um, by one of I can't remember who who marked them, but one of the government agencies marked them as as something that may need to be further looked in, looked into simply because it has such tight Chinese ties and. Uh, autonomous uh, autonomous technology is seen as uh, huge for the Defense Department. But I think what Cheng Lu, they, this autonomous freight network is kind of a recent development. I think it was announced 
eight, eight or nine months ago. Um, and Two Simple's CEO, Cheng Lu, said that it is our destiny is tied to the ad- adoption of the autonomous freight network. So I think this is the way that they go to market. This is the way they introduce people to it. Um, and it's we're still a lot of the, the details are unclear on how they're going to monetize it. We know it'll be some sort of subscription base. But, uh, you know, this is something that you and I were talking about offline that it seems like a lot of people that are working on autonomous vehicle technologies don't really know exactly how they're going to monetize it yet. They're just solely focused on making sure that it's safe uh, before they bring it to market, which is a good thing. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and on the on the last mile drivers, this is something that is an interesting interesting discussion because too simple has made it a point to say that you know they're not displacing drivers they're not going after taking taking away the jobs from drivers rather they're trying to make the job more enjoyable for drivers meaning keeping them closer to home not keeping them on the road for as long uh, so building these nodes where uh, where autonomous trucks can bring and drop freight you know basically drop shipyards uh, and drop and hook yards where then you know drivers owner operators or uh, or carriers can come and pick up those and take them to their final destination. It seems like a system that makes a lot of sense, but I have more questions than I do answers on this one. Yeah, I mean, so I think what they're trying to say is the net impact to actual the actual driver pool is just going to be minimal, and it'll just be transitioned where maybe so maybe long haul over the road driver pop that population, uh, you know, does go down by a lot, but then it it feeds over into that short haul. So. Uh, as the CEO described, uh, you're, you're likely not, uh, again, not anytime in the near future, going to have this sort of distribution center or fulfillment center to storefront. Those moves are, are to customers' homes. Those are still going right. to be moves done by short haul. You're basically, the truck driver population is going to transition to short haul and final mile trucking. Because uh, there's, and it's particularly when you think about Amazon and being able to traverse the country in a truck in 36 hours because there's no hours of service limitations. It's just going to, and, and as Pete, customers' perceptions and, um, and, and preferences in terms of delivery times just keep going shorter and shorter, it makes sense that uh, a lot of those jobs just get reallocated. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about autonomous vehicles and how they solve so many problems on both the carrier and driver side. And eventually, um, I, I won't say they solve customer problems because it's not a problem to get our stuff in two days, but they make it even better for us to be able to get things faster and faster. But you know, when it comes to drivers, the biggest the biggest problems we always hear about are the it is just a tough job, the long, difficult hours of sitting, not being able to, to you know, truck drivers unfortunately are, are typically not the healthiest of people because they can't get fresh food. It's just a it's a tough job, uh, long haul truck truck driving is. And uh it's home time is a big thing. This is something that Variant and US Express has 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 made a point of emphasis that at home time that uh people were turning over at US Express, not because they didn't get they didn't get home time, but because they were missing the big events. Uh, and I think these type of systems, autonomous vehicles allow you to spend the night at home every night or spend the night at home most nights for a driver. And I think that that is a huge benefit. And then on the carrier side, you're having less turnover. Uh, one of the biggest costs for US Express and for most carriers is um, is driver turnover. You have some data on how much it costs uh, per driver to hire. It's, it's unbelievable. And then wages and insurance are also too Rising costs at uh, at trucking companies that can be uh, remedied and mitigated with uh, with autonomous trucking. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the, we're running short here on time, but the company themselves thinks they can reduce the overall cost, even with the added cost from the software system, by thirty percent. That's just, and if you think about an industry that's capital intensive with low margins, a thirty percent improvement in profitability is a big, big jump. So. Absolutely. I mean, what is it? Thirty or forty percent of the per mile cost is labor, uh, and then you know eventually these trucks are going to go on. 
yeah, you know, thereabouts. And then the next biggest piece is is uh, is gas. And those eventually we have hydrogen and electric uh, and other forms of of gas on the way that may be cheaper. This all, all of a sudden becomes a much more attractive business. Uh, that's something that I take away from autonomous vehicles and electric like electrification of the fleet. Yeah, uh, I, I've thought a lot about that issue over the my years that I've been in trucking out. But I guess the the I agree with that at least initially. The argument is that longer term, if the barriers to entries aren't there, that you see a rates collapse uh, as as more players move in. Right. I guess that's going to be the the answer here is like whether uh, Too Simple has a model that's affordable for for owner ops to be able to be a part of, or if it's going to be something that only the biggest uh, can be a part of. I know, um, speaking back to Variant and, uh, and uh, it's not Max Fuller. Why do I always call him Max Fuller? Max is Eric Fuller, yeah. Eric Fuller, yeah. Thank you. Um, and Eric Fuller thinks that consolidation is around the corner in the trucking industry, that we're not going to have so much segmentation moving forward because of technology. Um, so it's going to yeah. be interesting. I mean, maybe, maybe go ahead. We got probably 90 seconds. Go for it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, we can get in. We'll probably get back into this topic because the, the prospectus should come back out and we'll know a lot more. Like people don't know a lot about this company, including us. We've done you know several right. hours of research, but uh, we still don't know a lot. Um, so we'll know a lot more. And but I do think one of the inevitabilities is a lot of people think there's going to be a concentration of that truckload market share as autonomy comes, which makes sense to me. And Eric Fuller thinks it's, it's going to condense down to basically 20 to 25 major players. Yeah, 20 to 25 major carriers, probably only a handful of autonomous trucking companies that end up making it. I mean, there was, a, a, you know, a dozen or so when I remember when I first got to Freight Waves back uh, in the beginning of or the end of 2018. But Starsky uh, didn't make it to the next funding round. Ike got um, acquired by Neuro. We have Uber's division that got acquired by Aurora. So everybody is consolidating or not making it to the next funding round. So I guess that's that's the reason why we think and we believe that Too Simple is leading the pack, not only because uh, the technology keeps coming, but uh, but that's all the time we have. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening. You can get all of our stuff on Freightcast, one feed with all the Freightways TV. Uh, you can go there to find everything. We'll see you next time.